0: Today we celebrate the most solemn day of the year, Good Friday. A lot of people might say, why do we call it Good Friday? Jesus died. Isn't that a horrible Friday? Well, it's a Good Friday because today is the day that our salvation was won for us. Today is the day that Jesus gave His body and His blood on the cross to win our redemption and to destroy death forever. You know, we've had a beautiful day today on the walk, the hike for Christ. And it's an awesome way for us to enter into the beauty of this day. Because there was bodily sacrifice involved. Your feet hurt. The sun was hot. You could feel it in your body. And it was good. Because it united us more closely to Jesus. Because we know that His road to Calvary hurt a whole lot more than what ours did today. You know, in our first reading today, I was very drawn to Isaiah as I was praying. It says, Yet it was our infirmities that he bore, our sufferings that he endured. While he thought of him, while we thought of him as stricken, as one smitten by God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our offenses, crushed for our sins. Upon him was the t- chastisements that makes us whole, for by his stripes we were healed. As I read the scripture passage, I realize Jesus read this passage too. This is the Old Testament. Jesus would have understood that this was a prophecy about himself, from Isaiah, the great prophet, that Jesus Christ Himself would be the one who would be scourged for our offenses. And it says, we had all gone astray like sheep. Each following his own way. But the Lord laid upon him the guilt of us all. Isn't that true? That's us. We've all gone astray at some point in our life. We've all decided to follow our own way. We've all decided to follow a life of sin or to give in to sin. We've all made those choices at some point in our lives. And it says that although we had all gone astray... Jesus still bore our sins. He still bore our infirmities. He took upon Himself the punishment that we deserved. And He died on the cross for us. The Lord laid upon Him the guilt of us all. You know, as we look at the cross, Jesus uses the cross as a pulpit to preach the greatest message that He had yet spoken. And every one of those seven phrases that Jesus speaks from the cross is worthy of our meditation. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Woman, behold your son. Disciple, behold your mother. Everything Jesus said is worthy of our meditation. But I want to focus on one phrase that he spoke about because it came up during the hike for Christ today. Somebody asked about it. And so the Lord put it on my heart to be able to speak about it because I think it's something that many times we might get a little confused. And it's this phrase, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Do you ever wonder why Jesus said that? I mean, really? He was God. He was the God-man. How could he have felt abandoned by himself? How did he feel the absence of God so profoundly that he cries out from the pulpit of the cross, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Well, The answer lies in the Old Testament. In Psalm chapter 22, You see, something that the Jews understood is that whenever you quoted a psalm, you could quote the first line and you knew that it was the whole psalm that was being understood. Now, this is a psalm that Jesus would pray. So as I read pieces of it, it's a long psalm, I'm not going to read it all. I want you to understand and to to picture in your mind, Jesus prayed this psalm many times throughout his life. And just imagine, as you hear these words, what must have gone through his mind. So the very first line of Psalm 22 says, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why so far from my call for help, for my cries of anguish? You see, in one sense, Jesus is taking on every Person in the whole world, from the beginning of time until the end of time, that has ever felt abandoned by God, that has ever cried out to God in the midst of their sickness, in the midst of their suffering, to say, God, where are you? I don't know where you're at anymore. It feels like you've abandoned me in the wars that go on, in the poverty of many places of the earth, in the death of children. Why have you abandoned me, God? He lays all those burdens upon Himself and places these words upon His lips because they've been our words at times, have they not? We felt God's absence at many times in our life and so did Israel. And so Jesus quotes the first part of Psalm 22. But the people understand the whole psalm. Verse 7 says, But I'm a worm and no man. Scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They curl their lips and jeer. They shake their heads at me. should call them on the scourging of Jesus, the mocking of Jesus, as they mocked Him as King, putting a crown of thorns upon His head and wrapping Him with a cloak of purple and mocking Him. They jeered at Him. They spit on Him. They ripped parts of his beard out of his face. They had no mercy on him. They handed him over. They mocked. They curled their lips. It says, You you relied on the Lord. Let him deliver you. That's how they mocked him. If he loves you, let him rescue you. Isn't that what was said to Jesus on the cross? As he was hanging on the cross, if you're the son of God, come down. If God loves you, get down from the cross. Save yourself and save us. As Jesus is speaking here in the psalm, he's fulfilling it on the cross. But he knew it ahead of time. This is what was his lot. This was what was going to happen to him. He would be rejected. And although he would still continue to love. And it happened on the cross. Verse 15 says, Like water, my life drains away. My bones grow soft. Just that understanding of death. Right? The bones grow soft. It says, My heart has become like wax. It melts away within me. That heart of Jesus... He says, my heart has become like wax inside. Wax is moldable. Wax isn't hard, right? It's not hard like a rock. You see, in our hearts many times, our heart many times isn't like wax. Our hearts sometimes can be hard because of our pride, because of our arrogance. Our heart becomes hard and it, it isn't plowable to God. He can't, he can't mold it the way He wants. But Jesus' heart... That most beautiful sacred heart is like wax. It has been molded perfectly and it's a heart that is pierced by the soldier's lance. A sword can't go through a rock, but Jesus' heart is so enfleshed like wax that the sword pierces right through it. And from it comes the blood and the water which cleanses us. The blood symbolic of the Holy Eucharist. And the water is symbolic of baptism. From it comes the sacrifice. The sacraments for our salvation. So that beautiful heart that Jesus has is pierced for us. And it continues. It says, as dry as my, as my pot shed is my throat. My tongue sticks to my palate. You lay me in the dust of death. You ever been that thirsty? That your tongue cleaves to your palate? I mean, Jesus, after the scourging, wanted something to drink, but he would not drink anything. He carries the cross, wouldn't drink anything. And it's not until he gets to the cross where he cries out again from the pulpit of the cross, I thirst. Really? That's going to be your words, Jesus? I'm thirsty? Give me some Gatorade? The dying words of a man are some of the most important words he will ever speak. And if you've ever been on the bedside next to someone who's dying, you cling on to every word they say to you, don't you? And you remember those words. Jesus said, I thirst. Not because he was thirsty, so to speak. But Jesus said, I thirst because I thirst for souls. He thirsted for you and for me. He thirsted for each one of us to turn away from our sins and to embrace him. Because it goes without saying that Jesus' love cannot be understood. I can't put Jesus in a little box inside of my brain and say, Lord, I'm going to let you love me like that. But I'm not going to let you love me in all these other ways. I can't sit there and think through Jesus' love for me. It's incomprehensible. He died for us. His heart was pierced for us. He thirsted for me and for you on the cross. When he was on the cross, he was thinking of you and saying, I thirst for you. And I'm not going to stop until I have my thirst quenched. When you give your yes to me, your life to me, your heart to me, fully and without reserve. He doesn't just want a little sip from us. He wants everything. It's the only way his thirst will be quenched is for us to say with everything we've got, Lord take my life. Take my life, take my heart. Make my heart like yours, Jesus. It continues to say in verse 17, so wasted are my hands and my feet that I can count I can count all my bones. What Jesus think right here? His hands and His feet would be pierced. So wasted was His body. So torn was His flesh from His body that you could count all of His, bo- all of his bones. He says, I love you that much. They stare at me and they gloat. They divide my garments among them for my clothes they cast lots. We saw that in the gospel. But I love this part. Verse 20. But you, Lord, do not stay far off, my strength. Come quickly to help me. You feel the strength welling up inside the heart of Jesus now? He understands his passion on the cross. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Psalm 22 goes all the way through his passion and it ends with strength. It begins to show forth hope. But God, I know that you will not leave me alone. You are not far off. You are my strength. Come quickly and help me. We cry out like that too, don't we? In those moments where we really need God in our lives, where we've had it to the end, and I don't know which way to turn anymore, we cry out, and there's only one thing to say. Instead of cursing God, we say, God, be my strength, be my rock, be my refuge. I can't endure what I'm going through. I need you to give me the strength to endure it. And he will give us strength at that point. But we got to go to him. The psalm goes on. Psalm 28, listen how much this ends in hope. All the ends of the earth will worship and turn to the Lord. All the families of nations will bow down before Him. You see, whenever Jesus Christ is lifted up between heaven and earth, as the scripture says, it is then that He draws all men to Himself, all women to Himself, all children to Himself. He draws them all as the cross is lifted up between heaven and earth. And that's what he understands here. All the ends of the earth will come and worship. And they will bow down before you. That's why you're here today. You've come to worship your God, to say thank you for giving your life for me. And here's the last two sentences. The generation to come. Will be told of the Lord that they may proclaim to the people yet unborn to deliver the deliverance that you have brought. The deliverance that Jesus has brought to each of us, it has to be told from generation to generation. Tell your kids about what Jesus has done for you, tell your grandchildren what Jesus has done, teenagers, tell your friends what Jesus has done, because he delivered us. His cross and His blood has set us free. The sacred blood that poured out of His heart has delivered us from the slavery of sin and corruption. And what we should have been punished for, He took upon Himself. It is indeed a Good Friday. It's a day where we know that our God and our Savior has set us free, has delivered us from all of our iniquities, and upon Him He has received our chastisements. So great is His love for us that He's willing to let His flesh be torn from His body, to be mocked, to be crucified. And He does it all because He says, I don't want to ever live without you. Our God loves us so much. He wants us to live forever with Him in eternity. He went through all of that Just for us. So we now come to continue in the sacred liturgy. It's the only time that we don't have Mass. We will have a communion service. But first we will enter into some prayers of intercession and then we will bring in the cross of Jesus. And then we will be able to come and kiss not just a piece of wood, but I seriously, honestly have on that cross that we were processed in with a small splinter of the cross that Jesus died on. So we will come and kiss, literally, the cross that Jesus gave His life for us on. And so that our hearts will be prepared. We have a lot of silence in this liturgy. And it's not to get uncomfortable. Like, what are they doing? They forgot what they're doing? No. It's intentional. Because this day on Good Friday is a day of silence. It's a day when all the earth mourns, and so we, we sit in the grace of the silence of the day, and we begin that now within our liturgy. In the quiet, we come to meet our God, and we just behold Him. We behold the wood of the cross, upon which hung the salvation of the world. Amen. Amen.